in. And they're fabulous. Who? It's John Smith and the Coleman. They've gone from 19 to 2. <laughs> John Smith is the stage name of the Honourable Aubrey Waits. He started his career as Chris Waits and the Cowlows, didn't he, Susan? Well, you are surprising, Mr. Chesterton. I wouldn't expect you to know things like that. I have an inquiring mind and a very sensitive ear. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. You're listening to the Trap One Podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Simon. Thank you very much for joining me, Simon. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> thanks, thanks for coming back. Uh, so you're here in your capacity as one of Doctor Who fandom's foremost authorities on the Beatles uh, to talk about a story that, that doesn't have the Beatles in it, uh, but a story that's all about not having the Beatles in it, I think. Yeah, definitely. So um, I'm not sure foremost Beatles <laughs> expert is going to cut it, but I will do my best. <laughs> well, I, I don't know anything about the Beatles, so uh, I'm hoping you've, you've picked up a lot of stuff that, uh, that's gone over my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Fanfare for the Common Men is released on vinyl today in selected Asda stores. Uh, it was originally released in 2013 as part of Big Finish's 50th anniversary celebrations and tells the story of the common men the band that Susan is listening to on her transistor radio in An Unearthly Child. Uh, but before we discuss the story, I thought it'd be worth briefly touching on the Beatles' association with Doctor Who. Uh, their closest brush was a planned live appearance made up as old men in the 1965 story The Chase. Uh, so this is what the Doctor and his companions would have been watching on the Time Space Visualizer in the first episode. But it was sadly vetoed by their Doctor Who-hating manager, Brian Epstein, uh, so, what was this guy's problem? I don't know. I, I'm guessing they were just far too busy to do something like that. However much fun they'd have been, they, however much fun they'd have had doing it, really. So, yeah, it's a bit of a shame that they they never did that. I think it would have been really good fun to have seen them all aged up. Although, obviously, it would have caused continuity problems <laughs> come the eighties. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe we had a a, a lucky escape there, but. Yeah, it's such a shame they, they didn't appear for real. Absolutely. Uh, so instead, they used stock footage from the top of the pops of the Beatles singing Ticket to Ride. The result of this was that this Doctor Who episode has become the only surviving footage uh, of the Beatles on top of the pops because their performances were all wiped in the BBC's insane rampage of destruction through its own programme archives. So at least at least they were able to save uh, a little bit of that. It's like um, some Doctor Who stuff was saved in the same way, wasn't it? There's clips uh, from other shows that are saved because they appeared on uh, on other programs. Oh, definitely. I mean, it makes a change for Doctor Who to be the one saving someone else's footage, really. Uh, so as I say I don't know very much about the Beatles um, or about music at all, really. But um, I listened to a couple of documentaries on the BBC Sounds app this week. One thing that really came across that I didn't really know about was the suspicion that the older generation in the 60s viewed the band with. Um, It occurred to me that maybe this is something that Doctor and the Beatles have got in common, uh, is that that kind of older people were worried about the effects that they were each having on the country's youth. Um, The Beatles, because all the young women were going crackers and and getting hysterical, um, and Doctor Who, because of the whole sort of Mary Whitehouse, tea time terror for tots kind of nonsense uh, Mm -hmm. around that time. Yeah, it's a strange thing because um, the Beatles were really the first people to experience any kind of hysteria on this scale. I mean, I think there had been um, 
worries about Elvis corrupting people with his his hip gyrations and things like that. But the Beatles, it was on such a huge scale that I don't think anyone had ever seen anything quite like it, which is just, yeah, why they became such a huge phenomenon, I think, because of the Beatlemania around them the whole time. Just the screaming and the noise and the hysteria was something completely new. I guess the other thing um, like that with Doctor Who is it's just the right people coming together at exactly the right moment in history, having, Mm -hmm. you know, all these great ideas and and it just kind of hitting the zeitgeist, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's what the play is um, really sort of working on, that it's the right, right people, right time, and you just hit it and suddenly you become a phenomenon. That's it. So the the starting point for this story, uh, because it's the 50th anniversary, I guess, is the uh, the common men song that's in an unearthly child um, that that Susan's listened to. As I say, actually, mm-hmm. a piece of music called Three Guitars Mood Two, famously, uh, which is just a piece of library music um, composed by Nelson and Raymond and played by the Arthur Nelson Group on a 1961 EP. Uh, it always makes me think of the, the Writer's Room podcast because uh, they use that as their theme tune. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's one of a number of songs that the Common Men have here, including uh, Oh Won't You Please Love Me, Just Count to Three, and Who Is That Man? Uh, which I thought the songs in this were great. Um, and there's, there's some kind of clues and messages and stuff in there as well, isn't there, about the about the plot and what's mm-hmm. going on? Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Uh, the Yeah, the way they recreate those those um 60s songs are just magnificent i was really impressed with that so this is the um second time i've heard it and it's just been yeah really good to revisit that i thought the whole musical score was fantastic and the songs were sort of right up there with really good beatles style parodies so not quite as good as the beatles but then they were the beatles so it's going to be difficult to do that but in that style it's really good it's like um the ruttles which was a famous sort of spoof of the beatles in the 1970s so the um the parodies are almost sort of at that level it's really really good i just wanted to hear more of the songs actually than you get (laughs) Yeah, they are on the CD, I think, aren't they? You've got the full the full versions in the special features, which is uh, which is nice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the idea here is that the um, where the Doctor and this are expecting to see the Beatles getting off the plane at the airport, uh, they actually uh, see the the common men arrive because the Beatles have been replaced in history by the common men. Um, it was an, maybe an odd thing for Nissa to want to see, or for the Doctor to think that Nissa would be interested in. Uh, but I think that sort of fish out of water thing works quite well because Nissa is totally bemused by the whole phenomena of, uh, of, of the Beatles and music and stuff, isn't she? Yeah, I loved her whole bafflement at the whole situation all the way through, sort of particularly when um, she's in um, Hamburg with the group and she doesn't have a clue what's going on or why they're popular or understand their music and it gives the band then something to take the mickey out of her for as well, which is really good. And it's cool the way the Beatles are still around as well. Like they are touring Hamburg at the same time because before they've made it big. Um, and then later on in the story, the Doctor and Rita go looking for the the people that would have been the Beatles and see what sort of became of them. So basically history has been changed so that national service continued longer than it should have done. Um which I think, uh, as I basically watch a couple of documentaries and stuff, 
which is kind of gave, as I understand it, the Beatles a bit of a leg up as well because they they had national service in in the states um, for for Vietnam and everything. So there wasn't as many musicians around over there. Um, so it felt like it had a bit of a bit of period relevance as well in that way. Yeah, because it could easily have have carried on enough to make the Beatles not be be around at the right time. So yeah, that was a really good way of sort of hooking the story in I think that worked really well it's a bit like the the Richard Curtis film yesterday which obviously came out after that yeah very much so Mm -hmm. the the idea it's kind of looking at it from a different angle but like we were saying before the the Beatles are the right people coming together at exactly the right point in history um, and, and yesterday looks at what if nobody can remember the Beatles, but somebody, like one one person can, could they have the same kind of global success and become the sensation if uh, if they just had the same songs now? Um, whereas this is a different group with different songs, but otherwise in the exact same circumstances. Yeah, I, I think the Doctor points that out at one point, doesn't he, where he says, well, if you're going to change history, why not just have a different band performing the same songs? So... It's sort of almost pointing out that it's not like this film that I haven't that hasn't been made yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it, it neatly sidesteps the fact that the Big Finish couldn't possibly get the uh, the rights to the no. Beatles songs. I guess as well, it'd be uh, pro- prohibitively expensive. Yeah, because that would be far out of their budget. I think. <laughs> is it? Is there something like Michael Jackson owns the rights to the Beatles songs or something like that? Is that? Yeah. So yeah, there's a famous famous story sort of from the 1980s when Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson were working together they were recording some songs and Paul was saying oh yeah he said I've got said I'm just about to buy buy my back catalogue back he said I've finally got enough money it's coming up for sale the deal's almost done and then Michael Jackson swooped in and paid over the odds for it and he and Paul McCartney lost control of his catalogue again so yeah, it was so close, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, I didn't know that's how it happened. Yeah, and um, yeah, so I think Paul bears a grudge to this day <laughs> about that. So because <laughs> he thought if he'd never mentioned it, then it would have <laughs> it would have been his. So mm-hmm. oh wow, and I presume that's still part of his estate then. So it's not that it's uh... no, I don't. I think it's just all tied up again now so and that's probably it in perpetuity so they make so much money that it, no one is ever going to have enough money to buy it i suppose so it seemed like a huge shame doesn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah losing the rights to the to the music you've written must be a, a real crush so i think like you say it's i think it's the second or third time that i've heard this story i think i think i heard it when it came out and then i think there was um it's not, not called BBC Seven anymore, is it? Is it Radio Four Extra? Is that what BBC Seven be, yeah. became? I think they did a repeat of it a few years ago as well. They so did. I think I heard it then. Um, but I, coming back to it, really appreciate what a clever story it is. The way it's structured, um, that knowing what's going to happen does more uh, kind of uh, significance to things. Even when the um, when the band are on the plane right at the start, landing at the air, at the airport. And they're having a conversation, they're saying, oh, we couldn't go home if we wanted to, and we're in a different world now. It's all uh, it's all very meaningful the second time round, yeah. isn't it? Which you wouldn't necessarily have picked up on uh, the first the first way, the first listen. No, there's all those clues all the way through. 
about what's actually going on that you pick up a second time. The first time you're just listening and, and really into the story, and then the second time you can go back and find more. That's it. I think the lyrics of one of the songs is, is something like the uh, underneath my skin and, and all that sort of stuff about the, the, sort of the, the true nature. Um, and the way it's structured as well, the, uh, the, the hopping about in time so that they can experience the band's whole career. Um, but also then part of it is being narrated from the sort of the end of their, their career by, by one of the band, uh, Mark, as well. But then you've got like that, it's a bit like the Chris, uh, Christmas Carol, the, uh, the Doctor Who Christmas special, where the Doctor is interfering in somebody's past and those actions then create new memories for them in their present. Uh, so while he's even uh, giving an interview, he's saying, oh, yeah, we never saw the Doctor again. And he goes, "Oh no, wait, we did." And that's, uh, and then the next scene is, uh, is that's what's happening with the Doctor. So, uh, yeah, I thought all that was very cool as well. Yeah, and it's not only the Doctor, of course, who's interfering with their with their past. It's their their manager, Lenny, who is also back there changing things when things haven't quite gone to his plan. So it's incredibly complex. The more you dig into it, the more layers there are of it, and trying to work out what's what. It, yeah, it takes a little while, but it. Yeah, but it's so simply written that you can follow it all the way through. Yeah, I think it's um, it's de- sort of deceptive like that, isn't it? As you say, the, the more yeah. you think about it, because you've got the same characters at, at, at different points. Um, but I think the performances really work well in that sense as well. When it's the the early days of the band, they 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 sound kind of just younger and enthusiastic, and they're bouncing off each other really well, finishing each other's sentence. Um, and as particularly Mitch Ben, I think who plays the he's the John Lennon sort of character, isn't he? So when he's older, yeah, he's, he's yeah, he's, he's given the interview, uh, and he sounds quite sort of uh, sort of dispirited by it all by that stage, um, and and he sounds older in his voice and everything. It's uh, it's, it's a great performance from him, I think. Yeah, he brings the weariness of having been through all of that really well. Um, it yeah, it's a brilliant performance and very like interviews that John Lennon gave around 1970 as well so where he's just we've been through this we've done this we've seen it all we're just we're just Beatles we're just we're not Beatles we're just men and we just need to be left alone for a while almost so yeah it's yeah it's a brilliant performance I really like Mitch Ben. He's um, following him on Twitter and everything. He's uh, mm-hmm. uh, he does lots of satirical songs and that type of thing. Doesn't he's kind of like music and, and, and comedy and stuff on there. Um, so uh, yeah, he's well worth a follow. And um, I, I don't think I knew he'd done any acting, but then I'd look and he was in. Um, oh, was it Merlin? He was in. Oh, I can't remember what it, yeah. it was. No, I think he's he's popped up in a few things. Um, but uh, yeah, I um, I do enjoy his songs. There's one. Um, we're moving to Scotland. Uh, which is, uh, you know, it's kind of everything that's going on at the moment politically. And um, because me and my wife only live 10 minutes from the Scottish border, um, every time the, uh, the sort of prime minister and his goons do something stupid, we often, which is like more like most days, we often sort of sing that to each other. We'll go like, we're moving to Scotland. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he's, he's got some really, uh, really cool, catchy songs that are uh, well worth checking out. So I imagine... There's a lot of Beatles in jokes in this, which I didn't get. I picked up on a few of the really obvious ones. Uh, see the um, the adjudicators from from like Lenny's own planet. He calls the Judes. So you're like, hey yeah. Jude. They talk about when they're 64, if the fans will still be around, and then the Doctor says at one point, all you need is love. 
Is there any that any more obscure ones that, that jumped out at you? Oh, there's a lot. Yes. So um, first of all, the two um, female supporting characters, Rita and Sadie, are from Beatles songs. So you've got um, lovely Rita, Meter um, Maid, who was on um, Sergeant Pepper. And you've got um, Sadie, who I suspect is named after Sexy Sadie, which is on the White Album. So that for a start, that that's that's not bad going. So um, you've got sort of lots of parallels between the different characters that they meet at different times. So you've got Lenny, their manager, who's very like a cross between Brian Epstein and Alan Klein, who's their later more hard-edged manager who comes in, um, sort of takes them over towards the end of their career. Obviously, um, Per Avatar is um, based on the Maharishi and very much 1967 and going off and meditating. So, and of course, the big plot point of based all around the rumours that Paul McCartney died in 1966 and was replaced by a lookalike becomes a big plot point where um, James is replaced. <laughs> After dying in nineteen, after being killed in nineteen sixty six, and they give someone plastic surgery to look exactly like him, and replace him, so which becomes part of the plot right. of, the story, of this story, which is is brilliant. So I didn't realise that was based on a on a Beatles thing. I've never heard that before. I've never heard that before. No, that was a big thing. That there were all clues all through, sort of lots of their records that. Um, there, that Paul McCartney had died. So things like um, there's a song that says um, the walrus was Paul and the walrus in I Am The Walrus in the video in Magical Mystery Tour is dressed in black, so he's obviously dead. There's a clue on, apparently on um, the Abbey Road cover where there's um, a Volkswagen Beetle with um, the number plate apparently that look. Um, has the clue that it would, I think it's 26 IF. So, and everyone says, well, Paul McCartney would have been 26 if he'd lived <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. And yeah, it's just all these things that people have sort of sewn this story up through, through various tiny little clues that they've pieced together. <laughs> that is absolute right. nonsense, <laughs> but it's a, yeah, it's one of those sort of self-perpetuating myths that comes back up every so often, and people have a look at that and say, "Oh, yeah, that's a brilliant story." So, <laughs> so that isn't something that the Beatles themselves were playing with. It is. It's all been sort of inferred on them, is it? Yeah, it's all. Yeah, it's all sort of from the media and conspiracy theories, and yeah, and just become one of those myths around the Beatles. I mean, there's many myths around them, but that's sort of one of the most. Um, persuasive ones that well so people say anyway <laughs> right no i can't believe i've never heard that one then um that's uh <laughs> yeah that was obviously a really part, important part of the plot but um i hadn't picked up that it was any kind of reference like that um yeah because i watched a documentary that was uh how the beatles changed the world um appropriately enough on a channel a channel called yesterday um and one of the things they showed was a clip from the Royal Variety performance, which the common men do as well. Um, and it shows a bit where John Lennon, he says, uh, yes, the audience in the cheap seats to clap and everyone else to rattle their jewellery. So there's a reference to that, to that in this one as well, because the Queen Mother sort of um, she throws a ring or something, doesn't she, onto the stage with them as well. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and she's doing the twist up in the box yeah. as well. <laughs> 
But I mean, there, there's sort of plenty more. So um, there's uh, the joke that um, Mark makes about the amount of time it, and takes he's had to do on a particular solo um, where then James comes in the next day and dashes it off in 20 minutes. Famously, um, in the sessions for Let It Be that were all recorded, there's an argument between Paul and George that leads to George walking out after um, Paul has had a go at him about not getting his solo right and they've been through multiple takes and so it ends up sort of in a similar situation and they're all angry with each other. So, mm-hmm. And then there's a bit about Corky acting in children's TV, which obviously Ringo started when he narrated Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah. Things like that. That that one I did get. Yeah, that was... uh, Yeah. Yeah, I remember that from when I was a kid, the uh, Thomas the Tank Engine thing, yeah. Mm -hmm. And just, yeah, and just the sort of framing interviews that are used all the way through with the members of the band are very much like the Beatles Anthology, which was a huge documentary in the mid-90s which told the Beatles story by interviews and footage sort of all the way through following us telling their story and their career and following it all the way through. So obviously they did new interviews with Paul, George and Ringo, but used archive footage of John. So using that as a framing device, sort of familiar to anyone who's seen the documentary as well, which is really good. That's it. I think what's great about this story is like I, you know, knowing nothing about the Beatles, you can go into it um, and obviously get get the gist of it like that. But it's it's a really entertaining story anyway. It's um, it's it's obviously really funny, clever ideas and stuff. Um, but yeah, obviously if you uh, if you do know the Beatles, there's uh, there's a ton of uh, stuff in there that's gonna that's gonna pay off as well. Yeah, there's an extra layer of of stuff to to sort of mine through and what's brilliant is eddie robson obviously knows his beatles history inside out because he uses all the right bits at the right times and yeah and that's what i think makes it if someone came in and sort of roughly knew it but got the details wrong you'd upset the beatles fans who are listening like the way if you got doctor who continuity wrong in an audio you'd upset all the doctor who fans so getting that right is that that extra level is is really good it's cool um and and the accents were all pretty good i don't think any of the uh any of the the actors were were actually scousers were they no i think i think mitch ben's parents were were liverpudlians so that helped but i don't think the other two were one of them uh, said on the extras had been playing, well, the one that plays James, who's the Paul McCartney sort of proxy, had been playing John Lennon in a play he'd been saying. So that was... Uh, oh, right, okay. The, so that was kind of good casting for him. Um, yeah. And the guy that plays Lenny is uh, the guy from the Suntaran Stratagem. He is, yes. Ryan Sampson. Ryan Sampson, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought he was phenomenal in this, so much better than he was in the Sontar yeah. stratagem. So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. I don't know whether it, yeah, the broad New York accent just made him sound evil from the start, but he was really good fun. Yeah, definitely. I thought you could, I mean, you could instantly tell he was a baddie. <laughs> yeah, definitely. There was no, yeah, there was no hiding that. <laughs> But it worked. It worked really well against the sort of uh, the, the Scouse accents. The sort of like um, they just sound really kind of laid back and cool, don't they? 
like you said, a really harsh New York kind of uh, tough-edged music manager. Uh, the contrast there worked really, yeah. really well, I thought. Yeah, he sounded brash against their coolness, and that that was phenomenal. <laughs> worked really, really well. So, yeah, I thought the... Um, actually, the structure of the story was really good. So it's very odd to have the Doctor and Nyssa separated for so long. And I thought that that gave... Peter Davison something really interesting to do because he did all the time travelling and he'd got his proxy companion in Rita, which was really good, and they had a really good good relationship. But also it gave Nyssa um, a chance to go off, have her adventure, use her scientific skills, which we don't get to see very often, and do the blood tests and work out that they're all aliens, and also have sort of the fish-out-of-water um, scenes as well where she doesn't know what where she is or what she's doing and being very much on the back foot and trying to work out the parts of the story that the Doctor hasn't been able to work out yeah she's brilliant in this isn't she Sarah Sutton mm-hmm. um, like you say because it, it's a total fish out of water kind of thing and then because the band know each other so well and they, they're just constantly sort of taking the mickey out of each other and joking and that's not really the way she is. Um, it, it, that, all, um, that all was really cool. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like you say, then uh, to, to get to, uh, to get used to science stuff. Um, and because she's in a different time period to the TARDIS as well, um, she's, uh, she's had to like, learn a little bit of German and that kind of thing yeah. as well, which is, uh, which is a nice detail. Um, that I guess you don't always think about with the uh, with the TARDIS with the translation circuit. No, we kind of take that for granted, really, don't we? But Nissa's intelligent; she would pick that up fast. I think. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Because you never really know what the range is on. on I was thinking about this um, weirdly when I was listening to it. It's the, uh, the Cold War episode. They uh, when they're on the submarine and the um, the HAD mm-hmm. system sends the TARDIS. They send it to like the other side of the world. Um, but they can still understand the Russians on the submarine, can't they? Yeah. How close does it have to be to... uh, (laughs) Does it just have to be on the same planet? Obviously, no one else has thought of that, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) It's only, strangely, this story that made me think of it. Um, Yeah, I don't know why. But again, her earnestness and Sarah Sutton's really earnest performance was a brilliant contrast to the, the boys in the band. And, yeah, I really enjoyed all their scenes, and I loved her relationship with Corky that felt like it was going somewhere until he got his brain wa- <laughs> wiped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting when this gets those kind of relationships, isn't it? Is it The, um, is it the Butcher of Brisbane, uh, have you heard that, that big finish? I haven't heard that, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that one gives her a, a really interesting relationship um, to play with as well. Um, and it's, it's set over quite a long time, so it's, uh, it's, and it's a brilliant performance from her as well. Um, and it's interesting, I thought, as well, like you say, the Doctor's got this sort of proxy companion in Rita, um, and Lenny, who's the other time traveller, and the sort of like the, the kind of the opposite number to the Doctor in this, in terms of, you know, he's, he's like kind of a meddling monk uh, kind of character, I guess, isn't he? Like they're both uh, travelling through time, he's trying to mess things up, Doc's trying to fix them, has got his own companion, um, in the uh, in the guise of Sadie, and both actually played by the same actor as well. Yeah, that really surprised me when I looked at the cast list because I thought, oh, I'll look up and see who the two two uh, ladies are who've who've played, and they were the same person, which is just yeah, really really good. There's, the story just builds and builds, and it starts like this sort of fairly low key, 
Um, and then by the last episode, you've got like the spaceships and the chasing each other over the skies of Hamburg and uh, yeah it just uh, it just yeah when the nightclub's revealed to be a spaceship that always takes me by surprise and makes me laugh <laughs> yeah so is that is that like um, a, a famous sort of Beatles location or anything as well I was wondering is it the yeah Hamburg was where they they sort of made their name and learned their craft so they went over twice um, and just played and played and played um did sort of multiple shows per day um drank themselves stupid at night <laughs> and um, learned how to be a band and that's why <coughs> i think they became so tight as friends at that point because they were just thrust together in a foreign country where they didn't really speak the language sort of away from liverpool and the uk for the first time and just young men out having adventures and yeah George lost his virginity and stuff in in Hamburg (laughs) so um yeah they just had a a phenomenal time but made their name really there and then came back to the UK and everyone had forgotten about them so they had to start from scratch but because they were so much better as a band that's what sort of propelled them up up the ladder very quickly ah cool I didn't know if the the name of that club though the one that turns into the spaceship if that was it had any significance it seems <coughs> I don't I don't think so as far as I know it wasn't a name that that sprung out at me but there were so many clubs in Hamburg that it may be one of them but yeah um to go back sort of to the doctor himself I thought Peter Davison was really good in this story he was he because there was a mixture of humor and sort of his breathlessness and his enthusiasm for everything, it worked really well. So he got some really good lines all the way through. And, um, he, yeah, it was a really strong performance. And uh, as I said, I really liked his um, relationship with Rita, particularly when he won't put her in danger, which felt very Fifth Doctor, particularly up after they've lost Adric. It was just a really nice touch to say, no, I'm not taking you with me because I don't know what's going on and I don't know what we're going into. You stay safe and do the investigating here and we'll meet up later. And, of course, it was years later before they met up, which was a really great touch. Yeah, of course. I hadn't thought about the um, the context of the Adric thing because this is set between, obviously, Time Flight and Arc of Infinity, isn't it? Yeah. It's just the, the Doctor and Lissa travelling there as well because he makes some kind of reference, doesn't he, about... About the airport. Yeah, last time I went on a plane, I'm not going on there on one again. <laughs> yeah, like a bit of a Mr. T moment, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or be a, be a Bracus moment, yeah. But yeah, yeah he's, he's great in it, and I think uh, what, you, what you get from the extras as well is that uh, Peter Davis is quite a big Beatles fan as well, so some of that enthusiasm comes over in his, uh, mm-hmm. his performance in that story as well. Well, yeah, well, it would have been his childhood, wouldn't it, around that time? So he would have been one of the teenagers who loved the loved the band in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, you mentioned before about Paravatar, who's the uh, the guru that they go and visit. So that that had um, sort of an antecedent in mm-hmm. in reality as well. So yeah, that's very much like the Maharishi that the Beatles went and learned their Eastern spiritualism from. So in 1967, so timing is just right. 
Right. But I really liked I really liked that character and it made me laugh because I'd forgotten the twist that he was a brummy. Yes. <laughs> suddenly the accent go, it slips when he's found out and that was that made me giggle. Um and I think just this because of it where um for Avatar hypnotizes the band. And that's where the doctor finds out that they're actually aliens. But it's quite funny them describing the various uh, parts of the alien planet that they come from, but in their sort of Beatles accents. Uh, <laughs> so the one that's like uh, saying like, "My mum's the queen" and stuff like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was really good. It's good that they 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 never drop the accents, do they? When even when um, when Mark, uh, you know, sort of has his uh, sort of apotheosis of, uh, of of sort of absorbing absorbing all the energy from his fans. Um, he still sound, he's still got exactly the same accent. Yeah, much deeper and boomier, but yeah, definitely the same Scouse accent. And an interesting sort of idea for an alien race as well, because um, you have lots of aliens, I suppose, like that, that you know they feed on emotions and fears and, and whatnot. But, um, but the idea that fame itself and, and that uh, lots of people seeing their image and hearing them um, is that it actually feeds them and that they come from a planet where photographs and recordings a band it was uh, it was quite a cool idea yeah i liked that a lot i particularly liked when you've got the reveal in episode three where he's just going through all the photos and it almost you can hear it in the background and suddenly he's chanting the dates and where they were and how many people had, had seen them and the way it just escalates until he has his apotheosis is just yeah that was really phenomenal i liked that a lot it's cool when, when stuff is happening in the background like that in the Doctor Who story and, and you slowly, you realise the significance of it. Um, I think like in An Unearthly Child, there's that point where um, they can still hear the recording when the, the, the record stopped or something, isn't it? Um, I haven't watched it for yeah, a couple of yeah, years. Yeah, that's right. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they, they suddenly realise that the empty child is in the room with them and that's why they can hear it. It's mm-hmm. like the recording stopped uh, yeah, you just hear the tape spooling, don't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a really appropriate story to be released on vinyl. Definitely. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You can totally see why they've chosen it. Yeah, it's perfect, isn't it? So you've got the story of the band who would have been huge in the vinyl era. So, yeah, absolutely spot on. Yeah, it's like, I love the way that a lot of the 60s stories are coming out on vinyl because it feels really authentic to the 60s, you know, like uh, sort of Marco Polo and the Abominable Snowmen and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, because it's not often you get a four-part story um, come out on a vinyl, is it? You often get the uh, the shorter ones, the, the sort of the David Tennant ones, some of the Tom Baker yeah, ones have come out. Yeah, it's the... Yeah, it's usually the sort of two episode stories that you can flip on one one record and that's it. So to have sort of a, a two disc set is a is a bit much bigger thing for big finish. So yeah, I thought that was yeah, that's a pretty decent choice really. <laughs> it's cool because on the on the CD the original CDs the CDs are patterned like vinyl records as well, aren't they? Like they um, they've, uh, they've 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 got that look to them, which is cool. You've got all the sort of fake uh, album covers on the inside as well of. Um, of some of the the common men singles, uh, there's a lot of uh, really nice sort of care and stuff that's gone into uh, gone into it. See, this is where I've lost out just getting the download. So I've never seen the the packaging. So that yeah, that that would have been something special. 
I think the only thing is the original um, cover, I kind of prefer to, to the one that's coming out on vinyl. The, the original has got the recreation of the Abbey Road, um, the crossing, the, uh, you know, the Zebra Crossing. Um, yeah. This is Zebra Crossing, isn't it? Yeah, it's Zebra Crossing. And um, so it's got yeah. the, the three common men um, with the fifth doctor behind them. So it's the four of them crossing the road. And it's a really, really cool image. Um, but I guess whether maybe blown up onto a vinyl cover maybe didn't look as good or something like that. No, possibly not. So maybe the photoshopping was not so good at, at big scale. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's a nice cover. It's got uh, it, it's got Peter Davison, Sarah Sutton on the front, um, and um, like uh, kind of a lot of the photographs and stuff, which obviously key to the uh, key to the plot. Um, so it gives you an idea. But um, yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna try and uh, pick this one up. I think. Oh, have you got an Aston near you then to go and get one from? Yeah, uh, yeah, quite lucky. Uh, well, it's it's right like two doors from where I work, but I'm working from home at the moment, so I'm gonna <laughs> gonna nip out before <laughs> work uh, to, mm-hmm. uh, to to go and try and find one. Uh, have you uh, collected much of the Doctor Who vinyl, or you mainly? No, I haven't got. Any, I've got got lots of the classic vinyl from from years back, but I haven't got anything to play play the new stuff on. So no, I haven't got any of them. But I have looked at various various friends um collections and just looked at them enviously so the covers on a lot of them are just wow <laughs> aren't they they're just really amazing and i think they're worth getting just for that mm-hmm. yeah the demon music ones are absolutely stunning they uh yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're really really great yeah when you were discussing the massacre the other week and talking about the cover for that one is just beautiful really really lovely yeah definitely they um they uh, yeah they're really knocking out of the park. So it'd be interesting to see what the next release um, in that one is, because um, it's, it's a really good opportunity to revisit some of these stories as well. I think in a way that, mm-hmm. well for me anyway, the missing stories I don't I don't go back to as often. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really good excuse to uh, to go back and listen to them as well. No, and that's what's been nice about this release is going back and having a listen to a story that I heard once. And then haven't ever had a chance to go back to and and give it a listen. And I've found I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think a lot more than I did in 2013. Yeah, I guess there was so much going on in 2013, wasn't there? It was uh, it was uh, really yeah, an embarrassment of riches at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, those few months were 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 quite intense as a Doctor Who fan, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, it got seven years ago already. So. <laughs> I know. It doesn't seem possible, does it? No, it's crazy. Uh, but yeah, I think I think probably the thing with big finishes as well. But again, there's so much output that, um, uh, which I mean, it's a it's a nice problem to have. But you um, even keeping up with the releases uh, <laughs> sometimes is uh, it's quite time consuming. Let alone going back and revisiting uh, some of the older ones. Yeah, I'm very lost now. <laughs> I'm very very behind, and I tend to just pick things up in their sales because I can't keep up, and I can't afford to keep up with with the whole lot. And have the time to listen to it. I wouldn't get anything else done ever. <laughs> um, what's helped actually is since we've got the dog, um, I, I take him for like a big long walk every morning, usually before work. So I have like an hour and a half, and it's it's been a good chance to uh, to, to catch up on Big Finish and to re-listen to some stuff and uh, catch up on podcasts and stuff as well. Yeah, that's what my commute's for. But obviously, the last few months I haven't had so many of those, <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, so now I've got a backlog of, of podcasts and big finishes and other audios to listen to. 
Sam, thank you very much for listening to this story again and taking the time to come on and talk to me about it. It's been a pleasure. As I said, it's just been wonderful to go back and give this one another listen. And I can heartily recommend anyone who's going to buy the vinyl. You'll you'll have a story you'll enjoy. Definitely. And like I say, it's sort of laid in such a way that it does it does really reward multiple listens as well. So it's, uh, yeah, definitely worth one getting, I think. Where can our listeners find you and your work? Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Cy underscore heart. And also you can find um, I'm a regular writer and reviewer for We Are Cult, which is wearecult.rocks. And um, yeah, you can find some of my writing there. Excellent. I will put a link in the show notes to that as well. Um, thank you to everyone who's listened. Uh, please consider leaving a rating or review on iTunes. Uh, special thanks to MunroCat73, who left a really lovely review last week for us. Um, it was very much appreciated. Thanks again. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>